0: Hello, and welcome to the Literary Hype Podcast. I am Stephanie, your Literary Hype Woman, and I get to bring you these awesome author conversations from the authors we know and love. And this author happens to be one that we know more so from his work on screen. I'm talking about Zachary Levi, who is the face behind Shazam, he was in Chuck. He was in Tangled. He's been on Broadway. He's been in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. His list of credits is quite long at this point. But this conversation was filmed during the strikes that affected Hollywood for several months in 2023. So we could not talk about any of those things. We solely talked about his book, Radical Love. Radical Love is an incredibly vulnerable book about mental health and his family and just so many different aspects of his life that a lot of celebrities don't really open up about. So I was incredibly thankful that Zachary was willing to take the time out of his Fan Expo Chicago visit to talk to me about his book. I'd love to paint a picture for you. While you're listening, keep in mind that I am doing this interview while dressed as Kim Possible. Here's my conversation with the one and only Zachary Levi. My first question is unbook related, because it is the most common question I get after posting our photo op from C2E2, where I gave you a piggyback. You you said yes to that rather quickly. How often does that happen that people ask you to give them a, you give them a piggyback or you get on your back? Well,
1: whatever? people people have asked quite a, quite often for me to give them a piggyback. Mm-hmm. Uh, but see, here's the thing: I'm an equal opportunist, meaning. If I'm gonna allow one person to do something, I think I should give everybody that same opportunity. But that gets real sketchy because I don't have the back strength to not shatter all of my vertebrae. Um, And so, and I don't want anybody to, I don't want anybody to feel bad because all of a sudden I'm like assessing them and being like, oh, you weigh too much, so you don't get a piggyback. So I just had to make a kind of standard rule. I don't do, I don't give anybody piggybacks. But if people want to give me a piggyback and they think you can handle whatever this weight is, then let's go. And, you, and I, I said, are you sure? You're like, I'm sure. So then, then I got a piggyback.
0: I mean, you were a lot lighter than I was expecting. Well, so. thanks.
1: I've been watching that. my schoolgirl figure.
0: Um, so your book, Radical Love, has been out for a little over a year now.
1: Yes, I'm glad. Gonna...
0: What has the response been like for you seeing how people are handling what you had to say? Uh,
1: it's been great. There have been so many people that have either found me here at conventions or have contacted me like via social media, you know, my direct messages or whatever, or, or comments on posts I've made that have all been so... Uh, supportive and kind and effusive and 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 uh so many stories that people are sharing about how much it's helped them or healed them or or been a part of their healing or uh, blessed their life in some way people seeing or people feeling seen and heard in their own mental health journey for the first time in their lives and, you know so, and, I, and I definitely knew you know the intent was to reach people, the intent was to help people. I didn't even realize just how many people are legitimately going through the exact 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 same type of journey. Even when the circumstances of your journey are almost entirely different—different different mom, different dad, different town, different siblings, or different, you know, uh, job or industry that you work in—and yet uh, we all still suffer from the same types of stuff over and over again, same types of anxieties and depressions and OCDs, and whatever it is—and um, so I think that it's been very. Uh, incredible to just see all that kind of come to fruition and I've been so grateful that it's helped as many people as it's helped. What
0: was the hardest part for you in the actual writing of this book?
1: Oh well I mean the the hardest part of the writing was was the writing I mean thank God I had a great co-writer named Tanner Colby um, who really understood because I've never written a book in my life. I have a hard enough time reading sitting down and writing a book. And so Tanner, as a writer, was such an, uh, an incredible and such needed collaborator and helped me to kind of bring form to what was my story. Um, and then once that form was brought to it all and uh, the editing process together was, a, you know, a much easier uh, lift at that point, you know? Um, and then, I don't know, I mean, also I would say that it's hard knowing what to... Share and what not to share what part of my story uh did i need to share with the world in order to get these points across and also because there's a lot of other people that are a part of that journey my my parents my siblings my other friends or or family or ex-wife or whatever it's like how do you i want to navigate this i want to be honest about my journey but i'm also not trying to screw up anybody else's life i'm not trying to you know make it more difficult for other people um and so that was a hard part because I, yep. I really felt a great responsibility to, you know, only that this would that this would only be blessing people and, and not harming them. And um, so, you know, it's a balance and you find that balance. But I think we struck a good one. Is there a story or
0: something that you really wanted to put in the book that just didn't fit and it didn't make it? I,
1: none that I can think of offhand. It, maybe at the time there was some stuff we, that we ended up on the cutting room floor that I felt like, mm, maybe, do we, I don't know, I feel like this is probably still worth it. But, but through the editing process, you kind of get to the point where you, you, you feel the, the you know the flow of it all. Like, why are we spending too long talking about this or harping on that or whatever? And so by the end of the editing process, I felt very good about where we were. So I don't really miss anything. I think everything to, needs to be there.
0: And you read your own audiobook, which was incredible to listen to. Thanks. What was that process like, reading these very vulnerable, emotional words? and
1: putting it on tape with your voice uh it was gnarly it was i mean editing the book i was already crying a lot it's very cathartic i mean to to be talking about these things as vulnerably as you know i talk about them in the book and and, and things that are still clearly like the more i i would i'd start crying i'd be getting to a passage editing a passage i'd be crying uh, or or even doing the audiobook there's there were there were, you know moments where I actually did cry and I you know and, and some of that some of that emotion still seeps in there. Some of it we just had to do another take because my I was just straight up crying. So we you know it wasn't going to be that. But but all of those moments, whether through reading it or saying it, when those tears came, it was just yet another reminder of oh I just there, I I have yet to go deeper. I need to go deeper in whatever this is, I need to heal this more. Okay. okay. Um, and I'm looking forward to healing. More. And But interesting that I, it, still, it still has a rawness or a freshness where it's still bringing me to a tear, you know? And some of that isn't tears of like, oh, the, the woe, you know, oh, well, most of all of it, not the, they're not the woe is me tears, as much as the tears of, you know, reflecting on a mom that was just a, a woman who was trying to do her best and that she's no longer here and that, that's sad and sad that she never had the opportunity to really love herself and, and then the world never met the version of my mom that, that did love herself and what an amazing woman that would have been and all of these incredible uh, aspects of who she was would have been the healthy versions of that and not the unhealthy version so like those things still you know they're they're emotional but reading the book yeah i mean it was it was an interesting process for sure
0: And it's called radical love. In a nutshell, what does radical love mean
1: to you? I think the best definition of love that I've ever heard up to this point is um, to love is to will the good of the other. And that doesn't mean like them. It doesn't mean condone their behavior. It doesn't mean allow for that behavior or whatever their behavior may be in your own life. Then they don't have boundaries or any of that. It just says, it says... I recognize that they're a human being, but they could be an abuser of me. They could have traumatized me. They could be traumatizing other people. They could just be kind of a not great human being or behaving in monstrous ways. You know, all of these things are important to look at and to assess, and again to have boundaries, whatever you need to do. But we should always still be, hopefully, seeing the child of God in that person, in whatever state they're in in their life, and and want they're good and want that child to, to ultimately be loved and so that they're not behaving in the ways that they're behaving. And I think that's, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, that's pretty fucking radical because, I mean, it's like, it's like Jesus love kind of, you know, it's like when Jesus was saying, hey, um, you know, to love people that love you, isn't really love. It's not hard. That's, that's not what we're talking about talking about loving your enemy and praying for your persecutor like that's fucking hard it's hard and people don't like it we don't like it we don't like talking about it we all feel like, yeah, 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 totally we should do that, but also fuck these people over here because they're doing this, that, or the other. And it's like, yo, let's stop these people doing these bad things, but let's not be just vilifying these people to the point where we're making them monsters in our own minds because there's no redemption there. There's nothing beyond that point. And we have come to that place and I and I think um, you know it's hard, but but that's why it's radical. That's why it's and again. I think part of the reason why we all struggle with it is because people think well if I love this person that means I have to like them and I have to let them walk all over me it's like no nothing could be farther from the truth you don't have to like them at all love is not graduated like it's not like I I don't just like this person I love them it's like no it means that you want their good even if it has nothing to do with you and you're never in their life again you just want their good and you want it deeply you want it on a on a, on, a, on a soul level, you see that they're a child of God wherever they're at and you want their good.
0: And I love that you touched on the faith aspect of it. So that is one thing I did really love about this book is that you are so open about your faith. Yeah. Rain Wilson recently said that there's an anti-Christian bias in Hollywood. How did it feel for you to be putting yourself out there and your faith out there like this when it's kind of not well-received please
1: I mean, I've always pretty boldly lived. Whatever version of my faith I had at any given point, it's and it's evolved greatly from when my faith started. Really, as a, you know, as a little, little, little boy, I I've always had immense faith. I can't explain why, but I I you know even as a little kid, like I knew that I knew that I knew that there was a God for sure, and that it loved me, and that I was called to go love people. Like all of those things, I've known since I was a little little kid, um, and so I've always pretty much lived that out now. I don't disagree with Rain that, that you know, it, it. it's not exactly like the thing everybody loves. It's like if you go and say, hey, I'm spiritual, particularly if you're a Christian or whatever, you know, it's a lot of like, oh, these you know, the eye rolls or whatever it is. I mean, sure, I've experienced some of that. Um, I don't think I've ever lost a job. I don't think so. I don't think I've ever lost a job because I've been open about my faith. And also, you know, maybe I could have been more open about my faith if I felt more comfortable in all of it. But... I don't, I don't know. In my journey, I don't feel like I've been hurt or blacklisted per se. Um, but I But I definitely think that, you know, anytime that you're, anytime that you're representing something, and, and faith is a big part of this because it represents God, almost any faith, right, represents, okay, that there is this bigger thing. But what comes with that is accountability. And I think people really bristle at accountability. People don't like thinking that they're accountable to anything other look at themselves. It doesn't matter what your religion is or whatever, there's all this ultimate accountability back to source, whether it's Jesus or, um, you know, uh, the God of the Israelites or Muhammad or, you know, um, Allah or, you know, or the Hindu gods or whatever it is, it, you know, it's like there's something bigger than me. And, and I'm, I, I got to be humble with that thing. I got to be accountable with that. And I just think a lot of people in Hollywood or really just the world in general, uh, they don't like that. They don't like the idea of being accountable to something bigger than that. Um, but I do i i don't understand how to live a life where you're not humbled by this insane incredible fucking universe that we're a part of and that we're all these teeny little specks (laughs) these teeny little specks that are infinitely valuable and entirely unimportant we are not that important and yet we are so loved and extensions of love but we got to take this whole life you know that we are somehow the center of the universe or whatever it is or like no reduce yourself back to being humble and recognizing that you are a piece of all of this in a larger way and be open to that and be used by that and then you don't you know i think there's there's a lot a much more richer experience to be gained through all of that
0: are you planning on writing another book in the future? Yeah, I, maybe, yeah. I,
1: I, now that I've done it once, I and I feel like we did a good job, I, I could be down to doing it again. I just don't know what it would be necessarily. Uh, but once I figure that out, then yeah, I'd
0: be able to it right now. Are there any books that you're hyped about? Right now?
1: Yeah. Uh, no, honestly, I haven't. I'm so bad. Like I said, I barely read books, so it's, I need to read more. Um, but no, I don't know.
0: Thank you so much for your
1: time. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody.
0: Thanks again to Zachary for sharing a few moments with me to talk about his book and for being so honest and genuine and vulnerable. Really, truly appreciate him fully being himself at these conventions and opening himself up to fans and opening himself up on the page. If you have not read Radical Love, I highly recommend you do so. The link to get that is going to be in the show notes as well as a link for the audiobook. He does, as we just talked about, read it himself. And you can hear that emotion. So I highly recommend the audiobook on this one. Definitely check out Radical Love by Zachary Levi. If you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to subscribe to the Literary Hype Podcast for more conversations like this. And give us some stars. It really helps get the word out. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Stephanie, the Literary Hype Woman.